a Maryland County school district saw a 582% increase in the number of students identifying as gender nonconforming between 2019 and 2022. In just three years, they had an explosion of kids identifying as transgender. Today, we're going to dig into that. Also, I've got some great news coming from a federal judge in Florida. Hi, I'm Julie Barrett, and you're listening to the Women's Planning Podcast. I am also the founder of Conservative Ladies of Washington. We are a group of like-minded ladies and gentlemen here in the state of Washington. We are working hard to advance the conservative movement here in a very deep blue state. We are trying to help get conservative candidates elected to our state legislature. Also on a federal level, we're also trying to educate people and empower people to stand up, speak out, and take real action that can create change here in Washington state. I would love for you to head over to our website and learn more about what we're doing and how you can join us as a member. Head over to conservativeladiesofwa.com. That's conservativeladiesofwa.com. And for those of you who aren't in the state of Washington, I've got very exciting news. We will be launching Conservative Ladies of America very soon. So stay tuned for more information on that. You will be able to get involved with our movement from wherever you are across this country. I hate to keep talking about the transgender movement because I wish it would go away. It's so crazy. I wish it would go away. I hate having to harp on this issue but I don't have a choice. This is a very real issue that is going on across our country. No matter what state you're in, you are not safe from it. And we really need people to understand the magnitude and severity of what is going on so that people will start standing up and taking action and get in this fight with us to save our kids. We are seeing across the board an explosion of kids who are identifying as gender non-conforming. I saw an article recently about Montgomery County Schools where they had a 582%, yes, you heard that right, 582% increase in two years, guys, in just two years. Well, what does that align with? Well, COVID, right? And a lot of teenagers, as a mom of four teenagers, I can tell you that my kids spent a lot more time behind the screen. They were on social media a lot more. They weren't having face-to-face in-person connection with their peers. And so kids across this country became susceptible to whatever messaging was going out on social media. They became this target audience for an agenda that the left has been working on for decades. The LGBTQ thing is not new. The left has been working on it for decades. And I almost want to say, like, leave the LGB out of it because it really is not about gay and lesbian anymore. It is about taking these young kids and teaching them that they can identify as whatever they want. They can be gender nonconforming. They can cut off their body parts and it's all okay. They can choose a pronoun out of the sky and be called that. You know, we've got kids um, that are being going by pronouns. It, it's like, that's not even a thing. You are not an it. And it makes me sad that adults are 
allowing and encouraging kids to take an identity of it. Like that is so far from God's design for humanity. We are all created in the image of God. We are not, you are not a thing. Our children, they are, they are not things. These, our children are precious and every identity that these kids have is in the image of God and they are precious. And to have a child that is going to identify as an it, that's just heartbreaking. And it's infuriating that we have adults that will encourage and allow this behavior rather than talking to these kids and helping them identify that they are truly a unique and special person. And then it's okay for them to not really feel comfortable in their body or not really know their sexuality. Kids shouldn't know. They shouldn't be worried about sexuality. But as you can see, it's all an agenda. They want children to be confused. They want them not to have an identity. And so I I want to keep bringing this to you because I want you to be aware. I want you to share these episodes and the linked information that I am putting in the notes. I want you to share that with people in your circle because this isn't a right versus left issue. This is truly about saving our kids. So back to Maryland's uh, Maryland Public Schools. Uh, this is Montgomery County in the state of Maryland, and this school district saw a 582% increase in the number of students identifying as gender nonconforming. This is just in two years. Montgomery County Public Schools gathered this data from forms school counselors use to fill out when students approach them to talk about gender identity issues. Because the numbers rely on self-reporting, the near sevenfold increase from 2019 to 2022 could indicate a massive increase in the number of gender diverse students, an environment that encourages those students to be more open with counselors or both. The data, which is not publicly available to parents or taxpayers, was posted to Twitter on October 6th when educator Alicia Eberhardt Bliss shared an image of a slideshow presented at a meeting of the district's Pride Alliance. During the 2019-2020 school year, a total of 35 students reported gender nonconformity to a counselor, including four elementary students, 19 middle school students, and 12 high schoolers. During the 2021-22 school year, the number of students reporting gender nonconformity spiked to 239. So we went from 35 in 2019 to 239, over 200 more students. Of that 239, 18 are elementary students, 129 are middle schoolers, and 92 are high schoolers. The data state that 423 students filled out the form with a counselor and 45% of those students are considered non-binary. The data were collected across 84 schools, including 20 elementary schools. Guys, that is just astounding and It is so easy to spot the correlation of schools shutting down, keeping schools closed, putting kids in front of a screen, sending an agenda through social media, and the whole scamdemic of COVID. You cannot deny what has happened over these last three years. And I believe, and I know many of my, you know, many like-minded people believe also that this was all by design. COVID-19 was all by design. In fact, kind of a tangent here, but I saw um, 
our uh, one of our state legislators here in Washington, Jim Walsh, had posted a screenshot from the Seattle Times, uh, which is our leftist rag newspaper here in Washington. And the title of the article was COVID-19, Who Won the Pandemic? So they said the quiet part out loud. It was a game. Games have winners and losers. A pandemic should not have winners and losers. But of course, we all know that it was a game and they just said the quiet part out loud. So if you have any doubt in your mind, everything that we are seeing happen right now should be a huge wake up call to you. Also happening right now on this same gender issue, gender affirming care thing in the state of Michigan, they have proposal three going on and proposal three, um, children would have the right under the Michigan constitution to walk into any one of Planned Parenthood's 12 so-called gender affirming facilities and without parental knowledge or consent obtain puberty blockers. And with Planned Parenthood of Michigan promising gender-affirming care via telehealth in the coming months, Michiganders' kids won't even have to leave their house to obtain these sterilizing drugs. If this proposal passes, it would also give boys and girls under the Michigan Constitution the right to do gender mutilating surgeries. So boys would be able to be castrated and girls would be sterilized by hysterectomy and the removal of their ovaries. All of this without parental consent. Guys, this is why it's so important that we pay attention to what's going on in our state legislatures. I know it's not sexy or fun, but it's so important. And I, for one, I think all of my life, I've thought, oh, this is kind of boring stuff. I'll leave it to the civics nerds to figure out all this government stuff. And then you wake up and you realize, oh my gosh, nobody was handling the civic stuff. And the radical left was just dominating this and running with it because people like me weren't being engaged. We weren't tuned in and we were looking the other way. Meanwhile, the other side had been riling up their base and getting their base to support them and back them. And the people on the right, the legislators and other elected officials on the right don't have any backing. I've seen it firsthand. I've been in the session. I've been in hearings and I've been in some cases the only one speaking for the right and helping support these legislators with their arguments. And if we're not going to get involved in the game, we're going to continue to see the radical left just run with the ball down the field and score a touchdown. And we're just going to be sitting back, you know, like what just happened? Like, that's what we are right now, right? We're like, how did we get here? Well, our complacency and our disinterest in the whole process is what got us here. So We've got to pay attention to this. So if you are listening and you're in Michigan, please get involved with this Prop 3 issue that they've got going on, because if this passes, this is very dangerous. It's so hard to undo this garbage. And we need to be sharing this stuff. We need to be alerting people. We need people to step up and um, really stand up for these issues. This whole proposition is crafted by Planned Parenthood and other left-wing outfits, and it is is totally beyond abortion. They're they're calling it like an abortion proposition, but it expands far beyond abortion. It goes into um, the gender-affirming care, and it would basically give kids the ability to have these surgeries, to get these puberty blockers, and their parents won't 
even know. This is an opportunity for people on the right, people of people who are sane, right? I don't care what side you're on. If you are sane, you don't agree with this because children cannot make good decisions for themselves. I want to share with you uh, a recent experience that happened in my own family, and I'm kind of going to be a little bit vague about this because I don't want to share too many of the details, but uh, we had a child that was um, admitted to a hospital here, and this child is 16 and has been under the care of a psychiatrist for, I think, seven years now. And when she, because we're in Washington and she's 16, she can, she doesn't need my consent for anything. Nobody has to call me. And while, although she did sign a release of information, so I was able to communicate with people, if they want to give her a medication, they don't have to get my consent for that. While in other states, and I have another child who is currently in a different state, Anytime they want to give her a new medication, they call me. They have to call me. That by law, they have to call me. They tell me what the medication is, what the risks are, what the side effects are, what it does. And then I will decide, yes or no, you can administer that medication to my child. Here in Washington, they don't have to do that. They can just give your child a medication. And so for my daughter, who has been under the care of a psychiatrist and receiving um, mental health drugs for a number of years for, a, you know, a few different things. And we've, if you have a kid that has autism or ADHD or, you know, depression, anxiety, or has been treated for any of that stuff, you probably have done some experimenting to figure out what works best for your kiddo. Of course we did that. My daughter was seeing her psychiatrist from, I don't know, she must've been eight or nine. And so it took us some experimentation in the beginning to figure out what worked best for her. During that experimentation phase, we learned what really did not work for her and what had actually the opposite effect of what was intended and made her conditions much worse. So when she goes to this hospital and they give her whatever they feel like, they don't bother to call me and she doesn't know offhand. She doesn't know her, you know, prescription history and the drugs that she's taking and how those uh, reacted for her instead of calling me to run it by me or even calling her psychiatrist which I gave them that number and asked them to please run it by them by him before they gave her these medications they don't have to do that in Washington state and many other states like Washington the providers don't have to take that step they can just administer whatever medication they want to your kid now, if you take a step back from the emotion of it, because of course I was pissed because they got my kiddo totally unregulated by giving her the wrong things. If you take a step back though, and look at the agenda behind this, if you go like beyond the staff people at the hospital and back into the policy and the people who are deciding that this is a good idea to allow providers to give children medication without having to get consent of a parent or guardian, you will see that by doing this, they can create instability and they can create a need for that patient to require more care, to require more services. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Are you following the trail of money here with me? That's exactly what they're doing here. 
it also leads to chaos. When you have children who are regulated on one substance and then you give them another that dysregulates them, you've got chaos in that kiddo. Same as what they're doing with the gender crap. So it's all interconnected. And uh, one of these days I'll do a longer episode about the, the mental health care system in these radical left blue states that have these anti-parent laws on the books that are not good for children. And the argument of, well, some kids don't have supportive parents or some kids are being abused by their parents. That's true. And those kids should be able to get help. And there should be guardrails in the legislation and in these policies that protect those children. But they should also be able to vet out the children who don't have that situation, who do have loving, caring parents who want what's best for them. And those parents should be allowed to be in the medical process to make sure that their children are receiving the best care. But again, it's all part of the agenda, right? So if you bring a loving, caring parent in, they might stop that leftist agenda. And that is absolutely not what the left wants. But if we can wake people up by sharing these realities with them, I mean, I hear from parents almost daily who are, who get, uh, you know, their kiddos get into the mental health care system here in Washington or another blue state and they don't know what to do. They don't know who to turn to and they're not getting uh, any communication from the providers and they aren't able to protect their children. It is a huge frustrating issue regardless of that parent's political affiliation. So this is definitely an area where we need to find common ground and we need to come together to fight to protect our children. So please, if you would, um, be sure to share this episode, share the links that I've got in the notes. Um, It's so important that we wake people up and that we get all parents fired up enough to start speaking out about this. We cannot afford to be silent any longer. I do have a win in this area to share with you today. Uh, In Florida, a judge upholds uh, Florida's ban on Medicaid coverage for gender-affirming care. U.S. District Judge Robert Hinckley on Wednesday, that's today, upheld Florida's rule preventing Medicaid coverage of gender-affirming care for patients of all ages, denying the preliminary injunction sought by the transgender people affected by the policy. The state's ban on Medicaid coverage disproportionately affects low-income trans people and went into effect on August 21st. So one of the plaintiffs here is a parent of a 13-year-old transgender boy um, who was part of the uh, part of this lawsuit and is really upset because his gender affirming care was interrupted um, when this ban went into effect in August. So this uh, this what I'm reading for you is from a um, obviously a left leaning publication. But since this just happened, like within the last couple hours of me recording this, this was all I could really find. But this is a huge win um, in Florida to uphold Florida's ban on using Medicaid for gender affirming care. I think that is really important that tax- that taxpayers don't have to pay for these services. Well, in other fun news, uh, the New York Post 
is reporting that Gen Z canceled the hostile thumbs up emoji and wants to ban nine others. So apparently this is on a Reddit forum, which I don't use Reddit, but I do have teenagers. My son um, is always on Reddit and uh, he I think that's his only source of social media. So I guess Reddit is like a Gen Z thing. Uh, Gen Z declared that the thumbs up emoji has a has a rude meaning and should not be used in any conversation. One poster said that they're not adult enough to be comfortable with the thumbs up emoji reaction. Several young people chimed in to cancel other common emoji and revealed why they should never be used. The thumbs up emoji gives off a passive aggressive and even confrontational air, according to Gen Zers who were born between 1997 and 2019. Several even claim that they felt attacked whenever it's used. These kids are so fragile. So it goes on. I'm going to link this article in the comments so you can go in and read it for yourself. The other emojis include the red heart, the okay hand, check mark, poo, loud crying face, monkey covering eyes. Oh, that's my favorite. I love the monkey covering his eyes or the, the little monkey covering his mouth, kind of like the oopsie face. That's my favorite. Clapping hands, lipstick, kiss mark, and grimacing face. I don't know why you can't use these, but um, I don't I don't play. I don't play that game. I'm going to keep using my emojis and do whatever I want because I am not easily offended by an emoji. I encourage you to not play these woke games and do whatever you want. And if people are offended, that is their thing. That's on them. So all the links to everything I've talked about today is in the notes. If you've got a topic idea that you think I should discuss on an upcoming episode, I would love to hear from you. All of my contact information is in the notes and I look forward to chatting with you again next time. 